Brian Jacobs is a country singer-songwriter from Manitoba, and his debut album, Highways and Backroads, is a must-listen. It's been nominated for two Manitoba Country Music Association Awards for Album of the Year and Emerging Artist of the Year, and is a collection of great songs with some great local talent backing him up. You can get your own copy of Highways and Backroads, which includes great songs like On a Roll and the brand new single Correction Line, online at brianjacobsmusic.ca. Brian's also headed out on an acoustic tour very soon with fellow country singer Ed Wayne, so watch his website and social media for more details about those shows. For a long time, I would always tell people that the vast majority of my friends are people that I met when I was playing in bands through playing shows. People who I shared a bill with, people whose bands I used to go see, that were part of the same scenes back in the day. And to a certain extent, that's still very true. A lot of my oldest friends are people that I played with when I was a teenager in some of my earliest bands, and they're people whose taste in music I still really respect, people whose opinions I really value, and people who I just genuinely like spending time with. Now that it's been, you know, quite a long time since I've actually played in a band myself, I feel like the podcast sort of does the same thing. And obviously, I interview a lot of people. Not all of them become friends. Some of them remain acquaintances. Some of them I don't talk to again ever after doing the interview. But a lot of the time, I'll meet someone doing the podcast that we click with, I get along well with, we share some opinions on music, and I think the guest on this episode is one of those guys. Uh, about two years ago, I interviewed a band called The Moonlit Road, and I really didn't know anything about them. I knew they were a country band that was playing on one of Greg Arcade's festivals. I think it might have been the Rattlesnake Festival. And so I thought, okay, well, Greg likes them. I'll give them a shot and listen to a few songs, see what I think. I like the songs I heard, which uh, were very limited at that point. They didn't have much out. But I went over, recorded a podcast. They did some live songs, it was a lot of fun. And since that time, I've kind of kept in touch with Jordan, the singer and main songwriter of the group. And we have a lot in common as far as, as far as music goes. I mean, he's obviously a little more country than I am, but we share some opinions and he's been a good guy to talk to over that time, generally about music. So it's really great to have him back on the show again, because his band has gone from, at the time I interviewed them in the first place, uh, a group that had played a few shows, they were working on an album, and now they've gone to a band that has a couple of releases out, they're working on another one, they've been nominated for some high-profile awards, and things are just generally sort of picking up. It's a cool interview. The last one was with the whole band, this one was just with Jordan one-on-one, but he has a lot of interesting things to say about the music he makes, and about the writing process, and about the very personal lyrics and personal subjects that he touches on with his songwriting. It's definitely a band that is on the up and up, and I hope you enjoy the episode. You're listening to Garbage Hill, one of the first podcast network. Welcome to Witch Boost Radio. I'm on the phone again. Now, this seems to be the new thing. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I like doing the uh, weekly kind of in-person interviews, but this uh, new technology, which isn't that new, has actually been pretty useful for talking to people who are either unavailable to meet me in person or, in your case, are out of town. So I'm talking to someone who's been on the show before, but it's been a while. Uh, I think it's been a couple of years now since you were last on the show. And I think before I even get any more into it, do you want to just introduce yourself and what you do, and then we'll get into it from there? Sure. So I'm Jordan from the Moonlight Road, and I guess I'm kind of the guy in charge of the band. I play guitar, and I'm the principal songwriter. Right. And when when you were in the show last, uh, let's just say for argument's sake it was two years ago. I can't really remember what the date was. Something but like that. Sounds right, right? Um you guys were working on an album at that point, if I recall correctly, which is now out, and uh, that album got you nominated for a couple of uh, Manitoba Country Music Awards, which yep. just happened on the weekend, and you didn't win, but there's a lot, I think, that's happened in between our last conversation on the podcast 
and this one that I think we got a lot of ground to cover. So yeah, we actually, uh, you know, did something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did something, and it did very well. Obviously, if you're getting, you know, nominated okay. for awards. Okay. So, um, I guess maybe just to kind of go back there. So the album, when did it actually come out? Uh, it got a little bit confusing there because we actually released two. Okay. One was a live EP, and it came out, I think, in the fall. Okay. And then. The Road from Hell came out on my 30th birthday, so in March. Okay, yeah, The Road from Hell is, I guess, what I'm referring to. I forgot that you had released yeah. that uh, yeah. that live one as well, but that one was just digital, right? And Road from Hell was like a full-on digital, physical, yeah. everything release. Yeah. yeah. So, again, I think last time we talked, we, we really hadn't, uh, you, you hadn't done too much of it. You'd recorded some of it, I think. And so what was yeah. the, uh, the process of getting that released like? I mean, because it was, you know, that's a, that's a fairly new thing for you guys to put out, you know, a physical album and, and put it out into the world like that. So how did that process go for you? Uh, for me personally, it was incredibly easy Okay. <laughs> um, because my wife uh, took care of a lot of that stuff. She's really very gifted at taking things she's never done before and all of a sudden being excellent at them. Okay, that's, that's useful, yeah, yeah. So, She'd never done album cover art. Well, now she has. She'd never registered songs with SoCan. Well, now she has. Yeah. All of those kinds of things. But, I mean, we have a pretty good team behind us, too, that has been able to kind of teach us things as we go. So uh, we recorded with Colin Jessen from The Lovers. You had him on not too long ago. That's right, yeah. He's a big friend of mine, big mentor of mine, who kind of has been giving me – his tips and tricks that he learned the hard way so that okay. I don't have to so, <laughs> but taking, taking advantage of him and my wife, uh, figuring out all the little bits and pieces that we need to know. And actually, um, the country music association themselves is really helpful. If you have questions, just ask, like example, I sat on the phone with, uh, Chris icing over there for probably an hour, an hour and a half one night and just asked him every seemingly stupid little question that came to my mind and he just sat there and answered them all and nice. i still to this day go through the pages of notes that i wrote down <laughs> during our phone call so he gave me a lot that i'm still chewing through but yeah it, it's some of that stuff was learn as you go um some of it was just a matter of google how other people did it sure. watch where they failed and then change it a little bit to make it work um but if you want to make it happen hard enough, you make it happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess as a songwriter, I mean, your, your songs are always, uh, especially with these ones on this album, they're very personal. They deal with a lot of personal struggles and things like that. What was the feeling once you got those out, you had them on, on CD and you're kind of in your hand out there for people to actually consume and, and, and hear outside of a live setting, right? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that surprised me listening back to the record um, because the tracks weren't really put on in any intentional kind of order. They just kind of went on the way they went on. But uh, in listening through it, I realized that uh, the theme of the songs went from good to bad to good again okay. in my life. And I went, okay, all right. You know, if I had if I planned that, that would have been kind of cool. So it was <laughs> neat to see it work out that way. And there's one song on the record that, uh, A, it's hard to play live because of the subject matter there's a lot of places that you just can't play it okay because of because of the explicit lyrics but also that's the most personal song i've ever written so i have played it live a few times and inevitably end up crying and going hmm, you know what maybe maybe we'll hold that one for the special show sure yeah yeah how how does it feel to have a song like that though out there and now people can hear that and interpret how they want and, and take what they will from that uh, when it's something so personal because if, you know if it's a song about hanging out and having a party or drinking a beer or whatever that's a little bit less of a uh, I guess of a risk as a songwriter to put out there oh, yeah. right and then when you're dealing with something that's super hyper specific and personal and, and meaningful enough to make you cry when you play it live like what was there were there, were there nerves about releasing that and getting that kind of out there in the world uh, there weren't nerves about recording and releasing it because at that time I didn't have an audience. Sure. Uh, really? So it was kind of a, well, you know, I'm just going to put down what I put down. And if anybody likes it, that's great. The nerves came after I started playing it and people started coming up to me talking about it after. And okay. then I went, Oh, I, you know, I 
this was personal to me. I didn't realize it would be personal to other people. Okay. So uh, that gave me a little bit of pressure to try to do well by that song, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I play it, you wanna you wanna do well with the ones that mean something to people, and the pander you fish in the barrel kind of uh, sing about beer kind of <laughs> songs. Yeah. They're fun. everybody's gonna sing along, but. Those aren't the ones that you're going to take a message home from at the end of the day, sure. I suppose. And you do have that kind of uh, stuff on the record as well. Of course we do. In our country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of goes with the territory, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that was cool for me, uh, having having heard a few of the songs when you performed them acoustically on the podcast when we first met, it was kind of cool to hear them fleshed out on the album and the, you know the way they were, I guess, supposed to sound, right? And one of the things mm-hmm. I kind of like about the record is looking at the liner notes... It lists the entire band, but it lists the people who are part of the live band as well as the people who performed on yeah. the record. So, yep. I guess, why did you use different people on some of the recordings than you would necessarily in a live band? Was that just scheduling, or? Uh, pretty much. Um, it wasn't for any reason other than scheduling, really. Okay. Okay. Uh, when I went in to record that record the guys that I usually play with had other stuff on their plate and it kind of just was, uh, well, I've got this time now I can afford to do it right now. And I've got a team that's ready to push. Go. So let's go. And, uh, so Joel who, uh, ended up recording with me plays in the live band. Uh, but Jeremy and Rob who play in the live band did not record mm-hmm. in this last record. And, uh, I'm actually going back into the studio right away. Drums are being tracked right now. Again, it's the team that recorded in the studio that's going to be playing on the record, okay. and the band won't be playing on on the record again, just because of scheduling. Those other two guys uh, that make up the main trio, uh, they're in another band that every November puts on like two really long cover shows that take a lot of production. Okay, and so whenever they step away to do that project i kind of go all right well i'm not gonna sit here from october until <laughs> do nothing and uh, i don't typically write a song with just vocals and rhythm guitar i usually will sit down and write vocals guitar bass maybe a little bit of lead guitar so by the time i go into the studio if i can't play it myself i can at least communicate well enough to the the guys that i work with so the guys in the studio are sean and colin right and uh Greg played drums on the last record, which I mean, Greg's a pro, right? You don't have to tell him what to do. He just knows what to do. Uh, and uh, same goes for Colin and Sean. So I was able to take some of my ideas and go here, but, you know, make this better. And then they could do that. So uh, I come in with a fairly well-written song and everybody's able to take that and help turn it into what's in my head, but put their own spin on it a little bit. Sure. It's cool. death of me 
death of me Cause you're like whiskey to my wine You're that one last cigarette Before the night blows in Before the night blows in You're like lightning in my veins Anytime you take the reins Wherever we're going Wherever we're going Oh, I know if we keep going You'll be the death of me You're like whiskey to my wine You're that one last cigarette Is that kind of the the format for the band too? It's you're bringing the material forward, and then you're kind of filling the spaces with whoever is either available for the live band or available for the studio stuff. Pretty much since yeah. we were eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been a while, but yeah. Yeah, so you're the yeah you're the songwriter, and then it gets added to and then fleshed out by whoever else is uh, involved. Yeah. Were you when you heard the the finished product of the album? Were what was your feeling on it? Like, did you do you think that it accurately captured what you were going for with those songs that you would have written on your own? Uh, it was better, I think, than what I had in my head. Well, that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Always good um, because it really taught me that uh, sometimes I should just shut my mouth and listen to the people that have more experience right kind of trust that a little bit uh because i'm sure i fought colin every step of the way on a lot of things going no that's not how i want it no you're wrong oh that's too much oh that's not enough or whatever and him just going "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm yep (laughs) and then doing me and me going god damn it you were right so (laughs) yeah that happened a lot uh one thing that was kind of neat uh there's a song on the record that uh I never liked it from the moment that I wrote it. I did not like the song. And uh, after I heard it back, I went, oh, this song changed so much in the studio. I actually like it now. I yeah. can, can tolerate listening to it. I'm not going to play it live, but I like listening to it. So, what uh, changed? Like, what, what didn't you like about the original version that, that got fixed, fixed, I guess, on the on the studio version? So when I took it into the studio, it was uh, it had like an Ed sheeran kind of vibe to it. Okay. And... Uh, it came out sounded kind of alt country, but near the end of the song, a big fuzzy guitar riff comes in that brings that '90s thing that we try to do yeah. uh, to the song, and and I went, oh, there we go. Okay, that's much <laughs> much, much much better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that changed it up a little bit and was kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. Well, just to uh, kind of go back to the uh, the awards that just happened, um, like you just said, you know, you guys have always kind of brought the the '90s rock sort of edge to what you're doing, even though it's identifiable as country music. How yeah. do you kind of feel like, you know, now that you're a little bit more established, you have the record out, people have taken notice, you've got involved with the Country Music Association. How do you feel that you fit in within the local country community at this point? Um, it's interesting because we were just talking about this the other day. Um, there's a huge range in what's called country. Oh, in yeah. The man- yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. You look at, um, there's some guys that are really, got a really stripped down, rootsy sound to them. And then uh, there's bands like Past the Perimeter, for example, that have got a pretty polished, guitar-driven kind of sound. They're pretty rocking. So we kind of fall somewhere in the middle of that. We're not as as stripped to some and certainly not as um, polished up as others. So it kind of makes us feel like a, a comfortable middle ground in some ways okay um i think what we play now would have been called southern rock at one point in time probably i could could see that yeah yeah but uh country isn't really like mainstream country isn't really country anymore it's pop with an accent you're twang yeah yeah (sighs) yeah yeah (laughs) the big deep (laughs) sigh about that yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) yep Well, I mean, and, and at something like the awards, you have some of those bands, uh, no doubt, that are playing that pop with an accent uh, here yep. in Manitoba as well, right? So 
do you feel like there's a kind of a, I don't know what the word is, but an involved community that, that includes all of those aspects of country music that you're part of now, or is it still fairly divided in terms of here's the roots guys, here's the Southern rock guys, here's the pop guys, like some other genres have. Oh man. One thing I've found with uh, the MCMA is that it's like, people say it a lot, but it feels like a family of people. Everybody is so supportive of each other and it's been really nice. Cool. Um, they make you feel welcome and, uh, you get to kind of know people a little bit, whether it's sitting down and talking to them in person or just through interacting online or whatever. Uh, so people seem to kind of be invested in each other and, and want to see each other do, do well, which is, you know, not what I'm used to from, sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> from, from the music scene. That yeah. wasn't necessarily, that wasn't how I came up. So it, it was cool uh, this past year really to, to get into being a part of that and going, Oh wait, what? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're not going to stab me in the back later. What the hell is this? Cool. <laughs> well, oh, we loved it. Uh, one thing I've learned about the country music scene here, too, is that uh, everybody works really, really hard. Uh, like, I look at bands like Petrick. Those guys are always playing and always busy. Yeah. You know, it's it's inspirational, even if we don't play the same kind of music, to watch how hard they bust their asses. So uh, I don't know that that's unique to country music, but it's something I've uh, noticed a bit more now that I'm able to talk to those folks and find yeah. out what goes on behind their scene. There's a lot of a lot of work. Do you think that being nominated and getting your name kind of on those lists with some of those artists, do you think that's opened some doors for you guys in terms of uh, just recognition throughout the province as part of that country community? I think it will. Yeah. I hope it will. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Um, I know that a few people, uh, when they saw we were nominated for group of the year, kind of went, wait, whoa, who are these guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what are they doing on there? And I mean, I was one of those people. That was like, <laughs> whoa, who are these guys? Why are they? On yeah. There? Yeah. But, yeah. So, you know, that was, that was a cool feeling, uh, which I think maybe was, a validating feeling to go, Oh, okay. So this, this work that we've been doing is paying off a little bit. We're starting to make some friends that, uh, we're starting to listen to what we're doing. Yeah. So, are you, are you even disappointed that you didn't win or are you just happy to be kind of, uh, get recognized? Both. Right. I mean, like you go there when you're nominated because you hope to win. Uh, of course. Yeah. But, but, uh, no, it was, it was just awesome to be nominated even because that wasn't something we expected at all. Uh, and even just going to the event itself and networking with people, like it came away with a couple gigs that I didn't have before nice. I went there. Nice. So, you know, that's worth it right there. Yeah, that's awesome. And we had a few people that we had never met before come up to us and say, "Hey, we know who you are, and we like your music." And I was like, "Oh, that's great," because I don't know who you are, and you know, <laughs> you're not my mom or my mom's friend. Yeah. So we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, it's a step up, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you so. you mentioned earlier that you're you're going to be going back in the studio again. How do you yeah. how do you top the previous record now? Now that that you have an album that's been nominated for two awards, or you got Group of the Year, and then what was the other one? It was Emerging Act or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know that album obviously was the uh, the key to getting you those those nominations. So how do you beat that now? <laughs> is that is there more pressure now that you have this kind of a uh, well received acclaimed uh, album kind of in the background? I think it maybe depends on how you look at it. Like, I don't look at music as being a competition. Yeah. And I think some of these awards maybe make people feel like there is competition. Uh, so I think that could mess with a person's approach to how they went and did something next. They might, you might go into it thinking, oh, now I have to make this sort of product or it's not going to do what I want it to do. Um, I don't know. I, the songs I'm recording on this next record, some of them I wrote 10 years ago. Like, okay. you know, um, it's some of them I wrote a couple weeks ago. It's just kind of how it, how it works out for me. Um, if I had the money, I could probably make a record a month. Sure. Uh, because I have written that much music and that's what I do. I just write a lot of music. Not good at much else, but I'm pretty good at that. So, uh, that's where my energy goes. Um, I don't think the nominations will affect how we record anything. Um, 
it might affect how we release things though scheduling wise okay so that okay. you fall into that period of what's eligible so that you could be nominated again. right right um, uh, the year for that i think is june to june right so you want to try to if you're trying to keep that in mind you want to try to release it in that in that time frame okay so we'll probably i mean we will have a single out in that time frame because we've already kind of got a, a plan behind it for a video and stuff so cool someone who writes that many songs like you said you have a you're just always writing how do you determine what which song is going on the on the record because with the last one it was what five six songs like how do you pare yeah, down how do you pare down the list to decide which ones will work on the album oh uh once i figure that out i'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> i haven't figured that out either it just kind of happened the way it happened um and the songs for this next uh, the next record, I kind of tried to choose a different mood. Okay. Uh, I tried to go with a bit of a positive feel to some of these songs. So uh, the one that's going to be the first single off the record, it's another one of those uh, tells the story of my life kind of songs through my rural country lens. But then there's uh, Tom Petty covered. It's going to be on the record. Okay, cool. And, uh, I Anybody who knows me, knows that getting me to play a cover song is about as much fun as having all of my teeth yanked out one at a time. It's not something I do, but uh, Tom Petty's death really affected me. And this song was very important to me. So I kind of thought, all right, well, you know what? We'll break my rule one time anyhow and cool. <laughs> see, see how it goes. Uh, so 
something like that influenced that song being on the record. And uh, there's another song that's going on there uh, that's written for my children. So I guess life events have influenced more what's going on this record than they did on the last record. On the last record, I took a handful of songs and went, well, these are pretty different from each other. So let's just record these ones. They don't sound the same song to song. That'll work. Um, (laughs) It's a bit more haphazard. I think there'd be more cohesive feel to this one. Do you think that you have a better grasp on who your audience is now? Now that, you know, again, you're more established, the record's out, you've likely heard response from people who have listened to it. Like, do you have a better idea of who these songs are for, I guess? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, Certainly when you're playing and people come up and talk to you, you get a feel of the I don't want to say like the type of people that are listening to your music, but like the type yeah, of people yeah. where, where they're coming from. Uh, so yeah, we, we've gotten that uh, impression a little bit. I don't think that will change the way I write songs. Sure. It might change the way that I perform, like the way that I talk to people between my songs. So okay. that I'm, uh, well, that's interesting. Connect a little bit better. In what way? Like what would you, what would you change about the, the, the between song banter, I guess? Well, like, if I'm playing in downtown Winnipeg uh, and I make a reference about something in small town Manitoba, it might not make any sense right. to, to people that I'm playing. They might look at me and be like, no, I, <laughs> no, holler means yell. That's all I know. Right, right. But I mean, you know, uh, I'm finding that the small town people are still seeing us in Winnipeg, so I can maybe make some of those jokes or references that I would have thought would have fallen flat before. Right. Um, Do you think, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's, it's just funny because it's usually the rural minded people or people who once lived in the country, but now live in the city that are approaching us to talk about stuff. A surprising amount of uh, young teenagers too, actually. Oh, really? I think they connect with the, from the ones I've spoken to, they connect with the, mental illness themes okay. a little bit. Okay. Uh, so that's been some conversations that I've had after shows that, uh, you know, makes you feel good about what you're doing because those are the people that you want to be reaching, right? The sure, people that yeah. feel like it's helping. So, uh, you know, a song like carefree days that is about drinking by a bonfire. Yeah, that's, yeah. Just fun. that's just fun for everybody. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not any kind of serious mentally labor intensive yeah. <laughs> kind of music. Uh, but then something like You'll Be the Death of Me where it dives into addictions and mental illness and stuff like that. That's the one that usually brings uh, that usually brings the t- young teenagers up to talk about. Um, so it's not nice to know that other people go there too, feel that way too, but it's nice for me to know that they feel not alone. Yeah. Well, and if they're if they're talking to you afterwards <laughs> and the song has affected them in some way, at least you know that the experience you're putting through in the song is coming across as genuine and that they can relate to it rather than, you know, you don't want someone who is dealing with those issues to think, Oh, this is some bullshit. This guy's saying just to try and sound like, he yeah, knows what appeal to, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and I think there'll always be people who listen to what you're doing and going, Oh yeah, that's just a crock of bullshit or, uh, just plain old don't like it because they don't like you or whatever. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I'm, I, I like to think I'm a likable guy, but I can list people that don't like me, so they won't <laughs> like whatever I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got some of those too. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we all do. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I think used to influence the way I did things, and uh, since releasing this last record, I realized I don't care about that as much. It's not going to change the way I do things. Which is nice. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, yeah. It's not fun to let go of baggage that you drag around, but once you've let go of it, it's nice to be able to walk a little bit more upright. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, how important is that um, kind of level of, of honesty and authenticity when you're talking about serious issues to you? Like, do you, do you want to make sure people understand that when you're singing a song like that, that it's coming from your own experience? Or are you okay with someone interpreting it as, you know, it's a you're telling a story about someone else. If it's a song that I've written, uh, it's a song about me. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I absolutely suck 
at writing <laughs> songs from other people's perspective. I just can't do that. And that's part of why I struggle so much with cover songs. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's not my it's not my story. Uh, so I can't make it sound authentic. I can play the chords and I can sing the lyrics, but you're going to listen to me and go, oh. <laughs> he doesn't you mean know? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't doesn't feel it so that's why covers me don't usually get along unless it's one that's you know one out of a million that i feel oh you've been where i've been sure sure then i could could do it okay like an example of that um i really like covering uh the verbs uh the drugs don't work okay that song is very relatable to me um stuff like that where you know, it unfortunately often the darker songs, maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily what you expect to hear from a guy who writes pretty fast paced country. But country has that long tradition of, of a lot of really dark subject matter, too. I mean, there's so many guys yep. in the history of the genre who have had fucked up personal lives and have, you know, very explicitly <laughs> described those personal lives in yep. a song. Right. Yep. So it's, it's not it's not unexpected. I mean, you have the Carefree Days type songs where the drinking beer tailgate whatever but then yeah you Pander, also, Pander. yeah yeah but you also have the uh you know my life is horrible here's why here's this horrible anguish i'm going through and some of those are the best country songs i think like when sure. it's that stripped down and honest right like so yeah you have a good tradition i of find i find those songs from country anyways i'm still trying to search for the artists that are putting those out okay um again i play country and I listen to some country, but it's country itself sometimes feels so oversaturated with the pop crap that it's really hard to filter through and find those genuine artists. Yeah. So when you do find those, those genuine artists who are writing the real songs, you like cling to them and hold <laughs> up. I'm like, please don't release a shitty pandery record out yeah. of this. Yeah, you'll you'll break me. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, no, I, I know I know what you mean, though, for sure. If you find someone who you can connect with musically sure. and, and then yeah, you want them to keep, you don't want them to die or something. <laughs> it's like, keep sure. doing this. This is great. I can relate to it. I have a connection for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I, I keep, like I think of uh, Ray LaMontagne for an example. Sure. The first time I heard that guy, I was like, <gasps> yeah, yeah. Tears on my face. Like, please don't release something shitty. And he had, you know, like yeah. he's, he's, he hasn't done that yet. So he's, he's doing well. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, that guy's one of those voices, too, that is pretty striking when you first hear it, right? So, Yeah, absolutely. It was the same kind of feeling when I first heard uh, City and Color. Okay, that yeah. Very... Something about them exists in the same realm to me. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something between those two guys that I feel is very similar. Okay. I guess, like, the type of songs you're doing, and when you're talking about personal stuff... Aside from the more rock kind of inclinations that the band has, what differentiates what you're doing between country and then just calling it folk music? Because I can imagine you playing some of those songs acoustically solo, and I could see them very easily being interpreted as a folk song. Yeah, lots of them have been. Uh, yeah, the, the delivery of them makes a huge difference. Okay. And uh, Anytime I'm writing, it's always on an acoustic guitar. It's actually almost always the same acoustic guitar. But I write the song in such a way that it stands up, whether it's just me at the guitar or the band. Okay. Um, I think it's the attitude that changes whether or not someone would see it as a folk song versus a country song. Like, when you look at me, you don't look at me and go oh hipster like you know <laughs> you look at me and go where's the straw that should be sticking out of his teeth sure like, sure oh that's but i i realized that i kind of have that that look and sound to me um so i think that maybe puts the songs across a certain way okay uh, even when the guys come and bring the distortion and the loud rock guitars and stuff it's still the um I think the underlying feeling is still country. I mean, out of out of the band, Joel maybe has the most country cred because he, you know, drives a tractor every summer. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily think that when you see him up there wailing away no, on that no. with a million pedals that he's a farm boy. But yeah. That's, um, pretty, that's pretty funny actually, yeah. I wouldn't have right? imagined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't think so, but yeah. <laughs> 
interesting that you said you you usually use the same guitar to write on because just from you know following you on social media you post a lot of gear like you yeah man <laughs> always posting pictures of guitars and and amps yep. and pedals and all these things so what is the what's the connection with that one guitar for writing the songs on when you have this kind of you know collection of equipment there is currently well in the room i'm sitting in there are four guitars <laughs> five basses a piano, an amp, and a stack of pedals. That's not bad. I got uh, two guitars, a keyboard, and a set of drums in here where I am right, right now. So yeah, right. it's, it's, it just happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just how it is. Um, that particular guitar that I write on all the time, my wife gave me when we got married. Oh, cool. um, I gave her an engagement ring. She gave me a guitar. Okay. Oh, right on. And it just so happened that she picked a very good one. Um, <laughs> So it worked out really good for me. And yeah, just about everything I write starts on, on that guitar. Okay. Uh, and again, I write with the acoustic guitar because I feel like if a part stands up on its own without effects and heavy layers behind it, it's probably a good enough part to make it to the, to the song. Sure. Uh, but if you, you need to drench it in whatever to, polish up your shitty riff you don't have a good song yeah yeah because you're masking you the a shitty, shitty song. riff with a lot of delay and reverb and whatever to to hide it and i mean that's not always true because i know lots of guys that use effects as a tool for writing but like if you listen to my kind of music you know that's not what i'm doing like yeah it's all cowboy chords and really bare bones stuff that's supposed to carry the story along and usually it does right so. right do you yeah. With all those guitars you have and stuff, do do you bring all of those into the studio, or do you sort of have specific ones that you're gonna you know you're gonna use for recording, or does it depend on the song, or how does that work out? I played two of my own guitars on the last record, <laughs> and uh, then some of Collins. Uh, I mess around with a million different tunings, like uh, for the coming up record. I'll be using E standard, D standard, C standard, drop D, like lots of different tunings. Uh, 
because I'm not like while I own a lot of gear, <laughs> not like a really tech savvy kind of person. I'm not gonna have like a Strymon Mobius on my board with a million knobs sure. or whatever. If it has more than three, I don't really want it. <laughs> not, not gonna figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, my way of changing the tone is to plug in a different guitar, or try a different tuning or whatever to get the different sound, which is the opposite of Joel's way, whereas he's got the pedal like, board. All, all those different pedals that I, you could point at any one of them and I'd have maybe a chance of guessing what type of pedal it yeah, was. Yeah, but, yeah. Like on my board on the floor right now, like, if you can see that, yeah, that's all there is. Okay, it's missing a distortion pedal, but that's that. Yeah, yeah. And if I put more than that on there, I'd get in trouble. I have gotten in trouble from <laughs> having too many distortion pedals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, when is uh, when are you expecting the new one to be done? I mean, I know you're just kind of in the beginning stages of getting that going now, but what's sort of the timeline for that? Yeah, it took a lot longer to do the last record because there was a lot of things I had to learn while we were doing it. So I think the recording this one will go much quicker, um, especially now that uh, we know how to work with each other yeah. in the studio to do this. I'm hoping that it'll be done early spring. Okay. And the first single will be coming out then. Uh, that's the plan. Cool. It's going to be done before the uh, end of June so that it right. falls into the FDMA nomination time. But, right, right, right. That's, that's when it'll be done by. <laughs> but uh, the theme behind the song that's going to be the first uh, single sort of, in a way, is dictating how fast everything needs to be done because uh, this particular song, if I was to wait until the fall to release it, it would kind of fall flat. Okay. Based on the theme, it would be kind of, well, why Why did you release this then? That was not a smart move. So. Okay, okay. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Whatever, I guess when people hear it's, it, they'll be able to figure out what the connection is. Yeah, like. it's, yeah, it's an odd way to plan doing the record, but it makes sense in my head. Cool. Well, that's what you want. Right? Very, very few, things, very few things make sense in my head, yeah. but that one does. But this does. Perfect. <laughs> So if people are, yeah. are hearing about you for the first time, I mean, like we said, more people have heard about you now, now that the album's out, now that you have the uh, the nominations kind of in your back pocket there and the attention that comes with that. But if someone is hearing about you for the first time on this podcast, what's the best option for them to find out more, hear some of your music, uh, find out when you're playing shows and that kind of thing? Um, well, our best options for finding out about us are like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook as everybody else uses and uh you can find our music on pretty much every streaming platform or you can like message me and get a physical copy because cool. there's a bunch sitting on my shelf over there <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, yeah and we're always always looking to meet people after shows uh so we're kind of trying to make it so that we're heard as much about word of mouth from people than than we are from a Facebook post because yeah I hate that I hate that shit I would <laughs> I would much rather I would much rather have somebody talk to me in person and say hey I liked that or I really hated that and yeah. why you're gonna get the same reaction from me either way it was like, oh, cool yeah <laughs> how do you know who I am <laughs> yeah why do you know who yeah I'm yeah <laughs> I get that too I totally understand that yeah yeah do you have anything coming up show wise in the relatively near future. Uh, yes, but I can't remember what it is. <laughs> is that information available anywhere? Like, is it online somewhere where someone can find the shows? And by the time it's this is posted, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> this will be posted have... soon, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Sooner yeah, rather uh, than later. Yeah, I'm doing two a week now, so they're they're coming up quick. You're you're a busy guy. Yeah, I can't stop. I won't stop. Yeah. My, I'll ask my wife what it is, and then it'll be available to, <laughs> for people to find out about. Cool. Yeah, she is uh, the brains behind everything. She doesn't uh, give herself a lot of credit for what she does, but there's no way we would have been nominated for anything if it hadn't been for cool. her. Um, I maybe write the songs, but she does all of the behind the scenes stuff that people don't even realize is a thing that needs to be done. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we've built a really good team of people that uh, are helping us try to get some songs out there. So cool. every time we go at it, it gets a little 
a little bit easier. Um, so she remembers some of the things that I have no idea about <laughs> until the day of. That's, that's, that's good to have someone like that, though, like keep a track of that shit, right? Yeah. Um, so oh, the, yeah. the Road from Hell is the album we've mostly been talking about. Where can people hear the acoustic album? Is that still available? Yeah. Or the it's live called, album or whatever it was? Yeah, yeah. It's called the Lakeview Sessions, and uh, it's on all the same streaming sources. And then there's actually another song too that was a standalone kind of thing that I did uh, I played all of the instruments on that one uh, myself actually we have a spare bedroom upstairs and I literally just took like a handheld zoom recorder put it in the middle of the floor cool did every instrument into this handheld mic that was on the floor in the nice. middle of the room and then Kat mixed them all together and then uh, we put that song out and it it was actually kind of funny because we put this song out just as a thanks to our friends for the fact that you're so patient while we're still trying to figure out what to call the band and all right, of that. Right. Uh, and then I got tagged on Facebook that it, it had hit number eight in Canberra, Australia <laughs> on one of their FM stations there. I was like, what the That's hell? That's super <laughs> random. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, how did this get there? So we, we laughed really hard about that, but it was kind of cool, actually. Uh, and it still gets a little bit of play over there. So that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's with all the streaming services that are available. It's amazing to see, uh, where people are listening to your stuff. Yeah. And, and I mean, it lets you break down all of the demographics about everybody too, so that you can see how, how old are they? And, oh, cool. You know, it's, it's cool stuff. Um, and I'm sure people could get really obsessed with that kind of, I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it would affect. I'm sure it affects how some people make music, but that's when you kind of get caught in that trap of, well, what I just released is the most disingenuous piece of garbage yep. that yep. you ever could have imagined. So. Well, yeah, because you're just doing it just to target certain people, and you're not actually worried about the good songs. You just want to hit all those, yeah, those specific buttons for sure. Well, yeah, like I, I make jokes about writing pandery, uh, some of our pandery songs because the subject matter is kind of pandering but like, <laughs> if you grew up in Chill Lake, Manitoba you probably cracked a beer on the back of your tailgate right <laughs> you know like right. more times than you can remember like so so it's it's kind of funny because it, it's pandering in so much as it's experiences that everybody has lived um not necessarily that you're intentionally writing it to shoot fish in a barrel but that your your life experience was kind of in some ways that shooting fish in a barrel yeah experience. yeah yeah, so, yeah. Oh, and that's, I mean, that's, that's a good experience, not that experience specifically, but having one of those every man kind of experiences, right? That's, yeah, that's a good thing to write a song about because it's going to appeal to a pretty wide range of people. Whereas maybe the mental illness stuff, like you talked about, that's going to hit home with certain specific people really sure. hard and other people might yeah. just, they might not pick up on what you're saying because oh, they haven't had yeah. that, right? So, oh, yeah, no, that, that song has been, uh, it's been interesting because I've had people, uh, on either side of it people that loved it because they related to it or people that absolutely hated it because I was being open and honest about oh, my really? experience. Okay. Huh. Oh yeah. I had somebody tell me I was a monster and that I should <laughs> complete the death of me part of the wow. song. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because of the song, like they just uh, heard the because... song and decided that. Oh no, I I've known them for oh, okay. years <laughs> and uh, they, uh, Trying to think of how to word it without making myself sound like an asshole. <laughs> now I'm just gonna sound like an asshole. Uh, they were a bigoted individual uh. who uh, would rather people just sort of sit with those things inside of themselves instead of talk about it and potentially make them uncomfortable. Right, right. And so releasing that particular song made them uncomfortable that somebody would talk about their feelings and their experience. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that someone would be that affected by it that way. Like, I mean, it, it's, it was good in a way too because I don't talk to them anymore. Right, <laughs> so right, 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 right. It kind of it did me a favor in a, in a way, I guess. But yeah, that was something I never thought about uh, a song I wrote potentially doing or having that effect. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, it, you know, <laughs> Once you put it out there, it's up to anybody to do with what they want. And yeah, it's not yours anymore. It's it's open to interpretation. Some, yeah, yeah, and it's really funny now. It wasn't funny at the time, but it's really funny now. That yeah, so 
just get so pissed off. So, you know, like, and it's not even like a vulgar song. I mean, I do say fuck in the yeah, song, yeah, but yeah. everyone has one of those songs. <laughs> but... It's not that unusual. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. No. Yeah. Okay, oh, cool. Well. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm running low on battery, so I think we have to wrap it up. Um, but people should check out uh, the social media, follow you on there, uh, listen yeah. to the album, on the albums, plural, on all of the streaming sources. And uh, you do have some kind of upcoming shows that people can look up online <laughs> once they're Yes, once they're there, should, there should be some stuff uh, in December for sure. Cool, cool. Um, and then we're hoping to do a show out here um, in Pilot Mound Yeah, uh, with a couple of artists that are from the area here. Oh, nice. So, like you've interviewed Brian and Ed Wayne both. Yes, yes. Uh, they're kind of friends of mine that I've met through the MCMA. Both great guys. Uh, great, great songwriters too, yeah. Wonderful guys. And if you want to hear authentic country music, yeah, Ed is about as authentic as it gets. I've been like, listening to his, his albums pretty much on repeat since I interviewed him. It's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Both Brian and Ed are putting out some really good music. Totally. And I think they're going on tour right away. Yeah, they're going actually. out west, yeah. Um, but anyways, we're trying to put a show together out in Pilot Mound at the Arts cool. Center here with uh, those two guys. And if you've never heard of El Ray and Jay. I've seen the name. I haven't heard yeah. them though. Yeah. yeah. They'll probably be joining us too. Very cool. Uh, so that's coming in the new year. Not as many gigs as I'd like because we're recording. Sure. So that's that makes of, sense. Yeah. yeah. Takes up some of that time. But cool. Hopefully it'll be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And then people can wait to hear that thing in the between June and June. So it'll fit in there. It'll make sense. It'll yeah, make yeah, yeah. Sense. Sure. Okay, so if people want to hear more episodes of this show, including the last one you were on, which was a couple of years ago, you can go to wishpolice.com. All 430 or 40 episodes, whatever we're at now, are there for free download and streaming. You can also tune in on Sundays at midnight on uh, 101.5 UMFM. And those are older episodes that get kind of a second boost uh, a few months after they come out in podcast form, which is always cool because by the time that episode airs, maybe your new record's out. Or maybe it's about to come out and people can just go from their car where they're listening at midnight because that's apparently when the only way people listen at midnight is when they're driving somewhere. And then they can go right out and buy it. So it's it's kind of a cool extra bonus to have uh, the UMF broadcast. Absolutely. And yeah, that's 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 the podcast there, man. I'm happy to talk to you again. I'm glad things are going well with the band and stuff. I like the record and uh, yeah, good, good luck going forward. Yeah, thanks, man. Awesome. And thanks for having me on the show again. Yeah, anytime, anytime. Thank you.